We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome everyone to a bonus Monday episode of the Future Award-winning Talk Buffalo podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Big thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen and download, support the show. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate, and review. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this podcast. Plus, when you subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent to your phone, your iPad, whatever device it is that you listen to podcasts on. This is the start of a very busy week. Busiest week ever that I've had at Talk About Flow Podcast. It's NFL Draft Week, of course. And I'm going to be coming up with a new episode literally every day this week. Uh, Tuesday, I'm going to have Buffalo Bills beat reporter Matt Perino from NewYorkUp.com. Matt, of course, just crushes it with his coverage of the Bills and also crushes it with the Shout Buffalo podcast that he does alongside Ryan Talbot. I'll get his latest Bills and Draft Insight. We'll talk about his podcast, some prospects that he thinks the Bills may target, much more. That'll be tomorrow. Then on Wednesday's show, we're going to wrap up our Bills mock draft series. It's our sixth and final installment. We do a seven-round Buffalo Bills mock draft every Wednesday. And as usual, my buddy Aaron Quinn from Cover One will be joining me for that. I'll tell you what, that series has been a lot of fun to do and also very informative. I think that we've learned a lot through this process, not necessarily at guys that we think the Buffalo Bills may target, but more so on how the board could play out in front of the picks because the computer's been simulating the picks and we're starting to get a really good idea of where we might have to move up to to get certain guys or maybe move down to where we still may be able to get certain guys. So we'll see how that plays out. That'll be Wednesday uh, then on Thursday, it's draft day. I'm going to drop an episode that highlights 10 guys that I think the Bills are most realistically likely to pick. 
along with a couple draft bowl predictions. So that'll be Thursday, uh, Friday. I'm going to have a guest. Not sure who's going to be yet, but we'll break down whatever the Bills did or didn't do on night one of the draft and some highlights, of course, from some of the big moments around the league on the first side of the draft. And lastly, on maybe Saturday, but more likely Sunday, we'll do a full draft recap episode. Anyway, that's going to be throughout the week. But as for today, my buddy, recurring guest and a Twitter hot take machine. If you're on Twitter, you follow him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. My buddy Joe from Queens at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. He returns for the first time here in like two months, maybe even a little bit more than that. Uh, I'm going to get Joe's takes on the vaccination process because he's got a lot to say on that, of course. Uh, the Buffalo Bills offseason, the draft, we'll talk all that stuff. And trust me, like I said, he's got plenty to say on all that. But there's one reason why he's back today. Uh, a personal story that ended up going mainstream that he's going to share. So Joe just got engaged, which in itself, of course, that's really cool. But the manner in which it happened, it ended up featured prominently in a story. I think it was even page three, man, of the New York Post, one of the biggest newspapers in the entire country. So He'll share all the details of that proposal, what was right about the story, what was written inaccurate about the story, tons more. Not going to waste any more time. So let's just get into it right now. Here it is, my chat with Buffalo Bills fan, Buffalo Twitter enemy, and the newly engaged, my buddy, Joe from Queens. All right, I am joined right now by recurring guest, although he has not been on in almost two months. I even had to go, he was shaking his head right now. You can only see, or you can only hear the audio version of this, but we're actually hooked up right now with video. Joe from Queens, my man Buffalo wins on Twitter, which by the way, as I was hitting record, I had the last thing I said, very last thing I said is, don't swear too much. He goes, F off. <laughs> Joe, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Thanks for finally having me back on. It's been like five months, I think, at least. It has not. It's been, it's barely been two. And in fairness mm -hmm. to me, you have admitted this many, many times. You're not really a draft person. And this is the thick of draft season. So most of the episodes have been draft related and you're not really a draft guy. And you've been kind of busy, by the way. I have been very busy. We'll probably get to that. But I, you know, I'm curious, when, what season would you have me on? Like, what's my season that you want me on normally? Um, well, I like having you on during the season. I like okay. having you on during the season. And I like Fair. having you on. I like having you on during the summer because you come up with some pretty good ideas. One of them, I'm going to save for the end because I really like it. And we're going to do an episode that you're going to anchor. And we'll, we'll talk about that at the end but generally yeah draft is draft are the are the nerd it's nerd season you know what i mean it, it's all it's all Tony the guys. season no one's a draft expert i'm sorry draft dorks you're you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking i swear already <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about you're all liars that's it you just you just look at everyone's mock drafts and you go oh i'm gonna just copy and paste that and alternate a couple of people you don't know anything. I hate all of you mock draft people. All of you. Aaron Quinn, <laughs> I hate you. The Bruce exclusive guy, I don't know who you are. I hate you. Dan Marino, Joe Marino, whatever the Marino guy is, get out of here. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ninety percent of it, kind of. Uh, I but yes, I am not. I'm not a draft expert. Yes, that's uh, no. You're not. Better. And in, in a few minutes, we're gonna. I'm gonna get some general offseason thoughts from you on the Bills again. I haven't had in a while, so it's been a minute. I know. I know you got some thoughts. Uh, I want to get some of your thoughts on uh, the vaccination process going on and how it may relate to players and and fans being able to attend games in the fall. We'll talk a little about that in a few. I got to start here though, because you made news like actual news with your engagement and it came out of nowhere and, and kind of, I saw it on Twitter. I was like, Holy shit. At first I thought it was a joke. I'm like, this ain't April fools. This is real. So you've talked several times on this podcast. You've had a girl and I've kind of busted your balls a little bit here and there uh, about that. And, uh, well, now you are engaged and the engagement went viral, bro. I mean, it was covered like prominently in the New York Post. It was like on page three of the newspaper. And uh, the headline read, NYS movie buffs have sweet marquee engagement at FIC. So cool. But first, let's backtrack a little bit, okay? So before we get to the engagement, because I want to get some details. A lot of people sent you congratulations on Twitter. I saw a lot of that. And again, people read the story and there were some details in there, some accurate, some a little bit inaccurate. You'll kind of break that down. Well, before that, I want to backtrack a little bit. Melanie, which by the way, congratulations, obviously. Talk a little bit about like the origins of the relationship that you had with her, because that's something that actually I've never even asked you about. That kind of interests me. Like, how did you guys meet? How did you, how did you hook up? Well, we met off a of hinge, you know, a date, one of the 75 dating sites out there. And, uh, Basically, what had happened was, I think we matched in Hinge probably early March of last year, maybe February. And this is when the pandemic was, it hadn't really hit stateside yet. And like, it, it was all in Europe, blah, blah, blah. So we went on a date, I think on March 12th, we went on a date to like a bar down the street from us because we both live in the same neighborhood. So it's very convenient for both of us. Mm-hmm. And we went on a first date. It was fine. Like it wasn't like I'm like, oh, I, I, I know I love this, this girl yet at that point. It was a fine first date. And then basically afterwards, we were like, OK, well, uh, I guess we'll see you around because, you know, we were we were starting to get word that the pandemic was going to hit. And then next thing you know, the next day, I think the entire city basically shut down. And once the, the, the city shut down, it was like, okay, what the hell do we do here? So for like the next, I would say two months, all we did, Pat, was we did we did texts and like probably, and this, the story didn't really have it as clear as it was because it said, it said text and phone calls, but it was mostly texts. But we also did FaceTime stuff like this, like where we saw each other. We did it probably maybe once every 10 days or so. Like on a weekend, we would just like talk, shoot the shit for an hour and a half. We would play... There was some house party app, which you can download where you see each other. and You can play like charades and things like that. So it went on and on for like two, two months, basically. You know, and I, I didn't really think much of it. Like thought she was cool. I was more concerned. Like, are we ever going to leave our house ever at all? Because like this is a year ago at this time. Right. So that's kind of how it all like manifested. And then we finally saw each other uh, for the first time in June, which the story kind of detailed a little bit. Where, uh, you know, I met her at the park. We walked around. We both had our masks on. You know, we were very, like, we're both very, like, very, very cautious when it comes to COVID. So it was kind of like, 
you know, what do you do? Like, you know, we, <laughs> I'm like, I can't really, I don't want to grab your hand at this point. Cause it's like, and this was before, like, that's obviously before the vaccine. This is before COVID testing. You know, I could go down the street right now and get a COVID test at a fucking, at a mall practically at this point. But then right. you couldn't, you couldn't do that. So it was just, a, it was just like crazy kind of like adjusting to that. But that's how we kind of met. It's different because, all right, so with COVID, and this is kind of, well, besides the fact that A, you're my friend, and B, this was a news story that interests me, I also think of it as, all right, so if you were already together with somebody and COVID hits and we're all in lockdown for these months, it went one of two ways. Either you get along with your girl, your wife, your, your girlfriend, whatever she may be, and things are awesome, or you want to kill each other because you're kind of trapped sure. in the house with each other. But I haven't really heard many stories about people that actually connected during COVID. You know what I mean? So this is, in some regards, to me at least, kind of kind of rare. Before we get into the actual like physical proposal itself, let me ask you this. like, When did you kind of figure out in your mind that proposing to your girlfriend was going to be in the cards? And now it was obviously just unhatched this past week. But at what point did you say to yourself, yeah, this is the one, man. This is the girl I want to marry. Here, here's the thing, and I probably would say around December, maybe January. It happened pretty quick, but we were very, very open about like, okay, hey, we could get married here. Like, like we were definitely planning our future. And I, I don't survey couples ever. Like, oh, when did you discuss this? Like, I, you know, maybe you could talk about when you and your wife did, you know, twenty years ago. But we were. She basically, I would say, I would say December, maybe like I was around that time. But like we had discussed it a lot like she knew like she basically knew the ring was coming she knew it all like you know in terms of that hence why i had to i really was working hard to try to figure out a surprise way to 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 propose to her you yeah. know which which you know so we'll get into but yeah i would say around that time it was quick i think here's the thing pat like you know i, I always try to be objective when it comes to like my like my own personality love life all that sort of stuff you know and i try to think like man is it if am i doing this too fast you know, like, cause you know, we've, we've known each other for a year is a year too fast. But then I kind of think, you know, I do love her obviously. And like when you're older, you know, when you're, I'm 41, she's 38, you know, and it's like, you know, what you, you know, what you've been looking for, you know, you're not like a 23 year old, 24 year old, right? you know, like when you're trying to still figure it out and like, you know, and obviously I think for us, like we do want to have a kid and, you know, we have to hurry up a little bit if you get my drift. You know, and uh, because of, you know, because of where we are in our lives. So, but yeah, I would say December, but you know, that's how that's, uh, it's great. I love it. You know, I, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been crazy just to meet someone like during the pandemic and like, it's just crazy. Like, you know, it's, it's funny that um, like literally like we postponed our first date. Like she was, we were supposed to get coffee and then she got a headache and had to postpone it. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Do you, you feel know, like well, she was blowing you off right away? No, no, she 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 had a headache. Like she legit had one. Uh, I'm I, maybe I felt then, maybe. I mean, because I, I had I had I had always been like a serial dater. I have gone on probably at least a hundred online dates since I've been in New York City. Like no 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 joking aside, like a hundred. Wow. So like this was yeah, it's 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 it was tiring. So I was kind of like yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, like we'll see what happens. But like. If she had postponed it again, like again, that went that Wednesday we went out. The next day is when everything shut down in the city. If we had like postponed it, who the hell knows what would have happened? Like, who knows if I would have said, like, I've postponed dates before. 
sometimes I do it. I, I lie about it. And I'll just, I'm just tired. I don't want to go out. Did you get a good sense right away that first date that things were headed in a good direction or were you completely clueless? No, no, not really. I mean, I thought she was cool. Like, it, you know, it was like, oh yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, it was definitely a better, you know, because like she's from Rochester and like she was a Bills fan and she knew the team and, you know, and I felt, okay, oh, this is good. Like, you know, you, you want to like, you know, when you meet an expat, basically like Rochester Buffalo are kind of the same. I don't care what anyone says. That's like, that's obviously a big ace, like plus one, like that's awesome. So, yeah, you know, it was, it was like, oh, we'll see what happens. But I wasn't like, oh my God, this is the one, you know, like after the first day. Cause like at that time I, I've been so like. The whole you know, love it, the whole love at first sight is going to be my girl forever. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't think that's ever happened to me, to be honest with you. But like, you know, obviously over time, you know, it, for me, it worked out like, you know, we loved each other and. You know, I would say I would say when I first kissed her, like afterwards, I was like, oh, OK, I like this chick, you know, and <laughs> that was that, you know. Before we get into the story that actually ran in the in the post and any like accuracies or like I said, maybe a couple of inaccuracies, you could kind of set that record straight. But all right. So you figured out around December that, you know, you want to propose and you said that you guys talked about it openly and then your focus became, well, all right, well, what can I come up with something that would kind of wow her, throw her off, surprise her a little bit like. How did you hatch this plan physically? Like, what did you have to do to get the message on that billboard? Like, how did you plan out this day where she would, you know, wouldn't know ahead of time? Give us some details on that. Yeah. So I definitely knew I was going to be proposing sometime in April and May. That's kind of was my goal. And um, what had happened was I had ordered my, the engagement ring online. Like I, I got it custom made basically. And she had, I had told her kind of like what my plan was. Like, I, I'm probably going to ask one of your friends like for their input. And she had sent her friend like links to what she wanted. So I had to like set it up like, okay, I got to, it was like this, I, I forgot what what website I got it, but it was like an a la carte, like it was the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know anything about engagement rings or women's jewelry. I don't know any of that shit. You had to like <laughs> pick, you had to like pick like, okay, this is, the, this is the band you want. This is the diamond you want. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. It was like picking your own can't really explain how it's like like getting customized like car like I want I want this car online like whatever so I got it and it was, it was going to get shipped out like three or four weeks later and then basically I was still mulling my plan like I thought about doing like a home video maybe and like having like spice a video into like one of her YouTube clips and like she would watch it and then I would pop up and tell her some bullshit I don't know and then like you know you think of like maybe I could go down the street and like you know we can go to like when we first met or where I told her I liked her, whatever. We could, all those those cliche ones that everyone thinks. Well, my mom broke her hip, and um, you know, which I tweeted about, and I know you knew about it. And like, she broke her hip, right. and when she broke her hip, the ring was supposed to come like the next week. Now, when the ring's coming, it's coming from FedEx. You got to be home, and you got to like be there to like get the actual shipment, right? So I knew, like, crap. Who am I gonna have if I gotta go home? in like today or tomorrow to help my mom, wh- who's going to be here for the ring? And like, I'm like, am I going to have my, my, my girlfriend pick it up? I'm like, no, I don't you want to do that. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's coming in a FedEx bag. Could be coming in the fucking thing for all I call. No. So I had called them and said, Hey, can you ship it instead to Buffalo? Because I knew I was going to go home. Well, long story short, my mom went to rehab for like two weeks. And when, so like, I didn't have to go home because you can't go to rehab. I can't go visit her because of COVID, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I ended up, when I got news that she was staying for two weeks, I got the alert in the shipment that, hey, the shipment was going was going to Buffalo already. So I was like, crap. 
So I don't have the ring. So I guess I guess I definitely have to go home now. So anyway, so two weeks later, I went to Buffalo and I was home for two weeks. I was still mulling like, okay, how am I going to do this proposal? And like, I, and then um, my sister was telling me that she had seen in a, a newspaper article, not a newspaper, she saw on TV that Shays Buffalo was having personalized marquees. And because we were talking about like how Melanie is a, a huge theater buff and she knows that like she loves theater, like plays, you know, and right. things like that. So she, that's how she brought up Shays Buffalo. I was like, and I was like, whoa, what if I found a marquee, like a, a theater marquee? And at that point, I was thinking like show marquee, like a, you know, like whatever, like the Shays Buffalo, there's a bunch of them in, in New York City, you know, because it's, it's Broadway. What if I got that, had a personalized letter or note that said, like, you know, I love you, you're my hero, blah, 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 marry me. And um, I'm like, that's a great idea. Like, I should do that. So I kind of started looking on Broadway, like in, in, in Manhattan, and like all those marquees are mostly electronic. They're not like you can physically put it up there. It's like electronic or they're just signage that doesn't move. Like, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's like, think of it like as, as like the Ralph Wilson Stadium sign, like on the outskirts. It's, it's permanent. Like, you can't alter it. So I was like, all right, well, what about a movie theater? I kind of thought. And then that's when I Googled like movie theater marquees. And the first one that come up is the, is the, is the IFC movie center, which is like an independent. It's, it's, it's basically like a, it's an independent movie theater that shows like a lot of indie classic movies. So it's not like AMC. It's like, they show a lot of indie movies and like, you know, the things that, the things that you and I would probably not watch right. you know, for the most part. So I emailed them and I was like, Hey, Will you guys do a personalized proposal? They said, yeah. I was like, great, let's do this. I want to do it for the the Sunday the 18th because I knew I was coming back Saturday the 17th. And, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So that's how that that's how kind of the brainchild happened. It was my sister's kind of help and a little bit of Shay's Buffalo that helped it. And in a weird way, I, if I didn't go back to Buffalo, I don't know if I would have came up with that idea because I had already had like a couple – the video thing was real. Like I was going to do a homemade video like of, of all the landmarks we've gone to, like our first place we kissed, our first makeout session, whatever. Like we did it here, whatever. Like I was going to do a, a shitty home video of it uh, and just <laughs> spice it into one of her like YouTube channels she watches. But maybe it wouldn't have came about. Probably want not, to be honest with you, because I was just home hanging with my sister and helping my mom. Well, when it comes to the actual proposal itself, like I said, it ends up in the New York Post, pretty predominant story as well. It says it was a marriage proposal of cinematic proportions. And, and, and then it describes everything and, you know, and a little bit about your lives. It has a, a photo of the marquee, which you had written on it. Melanie, you are my star hero in love. Will you marry me, Joe? And there's two pictures. And one of them is you on your knee actually proposing, showing the ring, which is really cool. Which, by the way, so you're proposing to her. Who, who took that picture? So here's what the story didn't mention. And, it's, and look, when I say this, they, they didn't. We, we talked to a reporter. I get to how they found us and they didn't make stuff up, which whatever. I'm not, I, I get it. I work in television. I'm a producer. I understand like you you take one part of the story and you streamline it to a different part. I would have probably sure. told us like how you wanted it because that's what I tell talent that I interview. Like, hey, we're going to go do this. But I digress. Um Basically, so because my girlfriend, my girlfriend, again, she definitely knew this was happening and she knows mm -hmm. my tactics. So if I say to her, hey, let's go for a walk to like Central Park or, hey, let's go into Manhattan and get a really nice dinner. She's going to know, OK, this is it, because we've Joe's again, up to some. 
Yeah, we, yeah. It, it would be like if you were proposing to your wife and you were like, hey, let's go to the steakhouse. And she's going to be like, wait, we're not getting chicken wings. Something's up. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> so like that's that's kind of like I had to come up with a, a unique strategy. So what I did was I messaged her friends on Facebook, like one of her friends, a couple of her friends live in Manhattan. And I said, look, I w- I'm going to propose to her. I want you to invite us to brunch on the 18th in lower Manhattan. So she'll have no idea that it was me like doing it. So her friends invited her to, to to come down to for brunch in lower Manhattan by the theater that day. So when I so like I so she went to me go, hey, do you want to go out for brunch? You know, her friends invited us to brunch. You want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. That way she had no idea like what we were doing. So, we, you know, when we got there and I wanted her friends there so they can ambush us and take photos like you like. You wonder who took the photos. It was them that took the photos because they were on stakeout, basically. So so what I did was when we got when we hatched the plan out the night before, I knew that the sign was facing a different direction. So the marquee is a lot like the North Park marquee where there's like, you know, an, an hurdle. We'll just use that as an example where there's two sides to the marquee. Like you can have one, you know, so the, the where the, the proposal was was on the marquee side facing uptown, basically. So we'll just say it was facing north. And the other one would be like your your standard marquee, you know, of whatever that was playing or messages. So right. I knew I had to go when we got dropped. I had told her like, hey, I want to go to Central Park. Or let's or I want to go. There's this beer store by the by the brunch place. I've heard it's really good. I want to check it out. Maybe buy a beer. So when we got so we got dropped off, I had them drop us off at Washington Square Park, which is this park in Manhattan. And it's probably a, it's like two blocks away from the theater. And she had told me that she had kind of a suspicion something was up because it's like, oh, maybe he's going to do it now because he wants to walk through the park. But while walking through the park, and she, she would tell this story, I was basically looking on my phone because I was messaging her friends of like, oh, hey, we're coming. Get ready. And at that point, she was like, there's no way he's proposing here. Why is he not on the, his phone? So she it kind of escaped her brain. And then when I realized the when I was walking down this, this, I, I tried to map it out what street I had to walk down. And I was walking down this street to get there. I had thought this street would take me behind the theater. Like, so we'll, we would see the one side of the marquee. But instead, the street, when you're walking towards it, you would see the whole, you would see the whole marquee. So I had to make a U turn and pretend I got lost and go, oh, because I didn't want her, because if we kept going straight, she would have saw the sign, like from a, like from a, a street across the street. I wanted her to go under the marquee. So we had, I was like, oh, wait, I'm going the wrong way. We gotta take it. We gotta go this way instead. So we we went a different direction. We came underneath it, and um, what I did was when we were under the marquee, I wanted to delay a little bit for two reasons. One, her friends knew we were going up up one street, so I wanted them to know to see us because maybe they were like on stakeout for like the wrong street. So I was like, hey, let's 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 wait on the marquee. So I, I started looking at the movie showings, and I'm like, what the hell is this Mac movie? which I've never heard of. I don't know what the hell Mac is. I guess it's a new movie. I don't know. It's what it's back mask. I don't know. And she was like, Oh, it's this movie. Orson Welles is in it. And, uh, and I, I started bringing up like, Oh, Orson Welles. He was a uh, old guy. He's, he was the voice of, of, uh, he was the voice in transformers, the movie, which he was, he was Unicron. I think he was, I'm pretty sure he was, but, um, and I was doing that to, for them to get in position, but also I had seen people coming towards us. Like other people. Now, again, let me explain to you. In New York City, when you're like in the middle of a sidewalk, people are more uh, walking past each other. There's tons of pe- tons of people. 
if you ever see people who are just having a conversation face to face, who are like, 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 like just having a conversation in the middle of the sidewalk stopped, there will be people who will be pissed off and just walk right through you. So I didn't, I didn't want, I was scared. Like we were going to do that. I would start saying, I love you. Look up. And then like, I'm about to get on my knees and some idiot comes between us. So I, I saw people <laughs> coming through us. So I had to wait for those people to come through us. And then like, once they did, we walked under it. I looked, I was like, what the hell is this? What's this showing? And then she looked up and there was the message and she got teary eyed. I got on my knee and, you know, she said, yes, I put the ring on her finger. And then, you know, when she put her ring on her finger, we were celebrating. And funny enough, the, the manager for the theater was out, was, was on stakeout as well. So she came out and started taking pictures of us. And I had no clue who the hell this girl was. I was like, who is this person taking pictures of us? She's like, oh, I'm the manager. So I was like, sweet, take pictures. She took pictures of us. There's actually a better Neil photo than the, than what the post used. And then, of course, her friends kind of came from behind and, like, surprised her. And, like, we've been taking pictures. And, you know, it was great. Like, she was really blown away. She had no idea. And, again, that was the purpose of it. That's why I had told her friends to invite us out. So in the Post article, they said we were movie buffs. We never said that. We told her, like, we, we were she was a theater buff and that we were going out to brunch to get that but they made it up and said like we were going to go see a movie which we weren't like my my girlfriend and i are have we're like we she we both got our first shots we're not going to the movies yet you know right. at, at, at all and you know and and if i had told her let's go to the movie theater in the in the city even she if she got wa- suspicious she would have definitely got suspicious and she would have said fuck no so <laughs> like you know so that's what that's kind of what happened so it's well, good on you then, because again, you guys have talked openly about getting engaged and getting married. So you had to try to hatch a, a, a plan to, to catch her by surprise. That was a success. And the story for, you know, accuracy, inaccuracy, whatever have you, still a really cool deal. And by the way, yeah. and I'll put a link to it in the show notes just in case anyone's listening who hasn't read it yet, because I, I think it's really cool. It's not even, it's not even like it's a, a one or two paragraph blurb. I looked it up. I actually ran it on, on word. It's like 670 words. I mean, that's like the average Dude. of a typical sports column. That's not just some little, you know, little story in passing. It's kind of like, like I said, that's pretty lengthy. Pat, it's the third page of the New York post. And it's yeah. like two thirds of the whole page. And it's the George Floyd conviction paper. And like, literally you see the George Floyd, like guilty on the fucking cover and then you open the page, it's us, like right there. <laughs> and we're like, we're next to we're next to like a Britney Spears like sidebar of her. I think she had t- she had talked about Black Lives Matter or something the other day. Like a little column of hers. So I'm like, I'm like thinking like, oh my God, we're next to a Britney Spears story. And it's us. And then when you go to page five, it's the whole story of the George Floyd conviction. Like how many newspapers a- have you bought? Oh no. Well, um, my, my, my lady made me go buy some. I, I think we bought 14 copies. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's not every engagement that ends up in a, predominantly in, a, in the New York Post or any newspaper for that matter. I'm sure right. at some point you'll get one framed too. It'll be on your wall. Someday if you have kids, you know, gonna they'll be look my, at it. Going to be my avatar for Twitter probably. <laughs> That's gonna be, it's going to be my new logo. When you, when you send out that embedded thing that you normally do, you're going to have that on it probably, I'm assuming. I, I think the funniest thing of this whole story, the most ironic, I should say, is, you know, obviously a whole lot of love being dropped to you on, on Twitter from from Buffalo Twitter and, you know, sports media, people who know you, or just people who know you in general, which is funny because this is like 
one of the more romantic movie-style gestures coming from somebody who I've gotten to know pretty well through this year's. It's probably got like some sometimes the most miserable takes, hot takes, rants, whatever you want to call it that I've ever seen. So that's the funny part to be it. Somebody, if I'm looking to do an episode and I want somebody who's just going to unafraid to just rail on people and not really give a shit about what people are going to say or think afterwards, you're that guy. And for you to be able to, to put together this plan and something that, you know, at the risk of sounding. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Corny, it's pretty sweet and romantic, man. It's just a... Uh... It caught me by surprise, man. I'll, I'll put it that way. Dude, I am uh, I am an awesome romantic person. Just because I hate Bill's Twitter and 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 Alan stands and and then Dawson Knox stands and all twenty two stands and Stefan <laughs> Mahailu stands and Rachel Bush stands and uh, podcast stands and, uh, and every like you know seventy five percent of everything that that's on Twitter. It doesn't mean like outside. I'm I'm a, I'm a teddy bear. I'm a nice guy. I'm a romantic guy. I'm a creative guy. God damn it. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm back with Mr. Romance at Buffalo Wins on Twitter, (laughs) Joe from Queens. While I got you here, before I let you go, let's talk a little bills and turn the dial to a little more uh, serious stuff. Actually, you know, you know what? Well, this is bills related. Let's start with the vaccination shots going on because that is obviously a hot topic. I've got in mine. I'll just put it out there. I've got in both my shots. My son, who is 18 years old and healthy as a ox, he's already got his first and he'll be getting his second soon. And if for no other reason, and, I, and I've said this on my show previously, he's going to be going to play college football next year. And I think personally, and I could be wrong, we'll find out, but I think there's an excellent chance that it may be mandatory for athletes to have the vaccination. And I definitely think it's going to be mandatory for college students to return to campus in the fall. So regardless of how I felt about it, whether I think it's necessary or not for, for somebody who's an 18 year old and healthy kid, I still am getting him in shots because it's just simply put, it's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. You know what I mean? It's, 
is just not worth it. I, I personally believe in the shots and I'll, res- I'll try to respect other people who feel differently. But again, it's all about, for me anyway, dying on the hill. Josh Allen did the podcast. I don't know. I, I, maybe he was caught off guard. I, I'm not sure that he gave a, a very thoughtful answer. I think he was trying to play it so much down the middle that it kind of came off wrong. And this is kind of like with politics. Sometimes when you play things too down the middle and you're an independent and you don't want to take one side over the other, as a result, everyone hates you. Everybody disagrees with you. But anyway, here's what I wanted to ask you. I want your thoughts on, I mean, I obviously know you're pro-vaccination, but are you going to be, do you think that in order to return to stadiums in the fall or do you think for players that it should be mandatory? Like, what is your take right now on on vaccinations? I'll sit back and hear what you got to say. Yeah, I I definitely think it should be mandatory. I, I, I think... It, it you work, Pat. This isn't like you and I, where we work from home and we have like we don't see that many people aside from our loved ones. If it, when you play football, it is about as a social. It is not a socially distant sport job at all. Like you're on top of people. You're not wearing masks. You you're about you you're playing. You, you got meetings. You're about to go into a stadium, which allegedly they're going to have fans in, like. It's it's a no brainer. That's why I was like I was kind of taken aback a little bit by Allen's comments a little bit. Like, you know, he said like he was he was doing what you just said. He was trying to play down the middle. Which, what middle is there? Like, like, dude, if he had said like, hey, I got the vaccine, it, w- are, there's going to be what like bots on Twitter? They're gonna like be angry at him. Like anti vaxxers for the most part, and they're not that many people. Those are people who. They're fine if you want to get a vaccine. They're not fine for them to get a vaccine. You know what I mean? Like, and I was just, that's why I was like, how is this controversial? Why are you playing this down the middle? And I know, you know, I've, I've had people send me screen grabs of Josh Allen's inner circle and like the tweets they like. And his family is ultra, 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 ultra conservative. And I'm not talking like John Kasich conservative. I'm talking like, like Hillary Clinton is like uh, running a porno ring somewhere with a rat or whatever the fuck they, they think she's doing <laughs> like it, they're, they're like crazy. So I feel like he was probably had, he, he's probably been at one too many terrible Thanksgiving dinners where they're like giving him hot takes about the vaccine and, and your God given rights and, and that sort of stuff. It just seemed like, it just seemed like whatever, like it was stupid on his part. I will say this. I do think, you know, he's got time to get the statistics more, but I if I was the league and I know they already announced they're not making the players, you know, take the vaccine. But if I were the Bills, I would have like, you know how when like a, a rookie comes into the league, the NFL will have like a symposium basically. Like, hey, here's what to do as an NFL player. Don't spend so much money. Don't go to strip clubs. Don't do this. Like they can't make you not spend money, but they educate you on like, you know, this is what you should do. I would do this. I would be fucking sending pamphlets. I'd be sending Dr. Fauci to talk to them. I would do everything in my power to put into their heads, like get this vaccine because I'm sorry, but like, can you imagine Pat? It's week 17. It's the wild or the wild card game. And Josh Allen gets COVID. The whole planet would melt. Like we would die. Like they would be chaos. It would be horrible. It would be a joke. It could happen. Lamar Jackson got, you know, I was arguing with people on Twitter, like, well, he didn't get it last year. I'm like, frantically, like, hello, 
Like, did you see what happened to the Titans when they got it? Like, they had to, like, keep postponing games. Did you see what happened to the Broncos when they had to have, like, their seven-string quarterback play? Like, did you see what happened to the Sabres when the Sabres and the Devils played and they had to freaking stop their season for two weeks? That's not even up to, I'm sorry. Like, it's inc- – I'm, I'm just at a loss for word. Like, it's incredulous to me. Again, get your little stats if you want to. Fine. But come August, unless there's some sort of breaking news that we're all, like, the vaccine was terrible and the side effect is we're all, like, our fucking dicks are going to fall off or some shit. <laughs> like, like, get the vaccine, dude. Like, everyone should get it, especially what he does for a living. If he was like us – and like he had like a like he's working at home. Fine, don't get the vaccine. It makes sense. But you're a football player, and again, for anyone who was like, oh, he, I had people. He said he what he said was perfect. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't perfect at all. I think it was more incredible to me because when that whole thing happened, I was like, I was ready to go on a podcast. I was like, Pat, get me on this podcast. Like, like cause I was like, I was kind of, I was a little hot by it. Like, not. It wasn't really. Josh, I was a little bit like, uh, you know, dude, like, come on. Like, we just sat up. Like, I was disappointed. Like, he should know better. But, like, I was more floored by, like, the reaction from Bills fans who were like, oh, it was a perfect, like, explanation. I was like, perfect explanation? How is it? It wasn't perfect. If it was perfect, no one would be pissed. You know, no one would think it was stupid. And, like, the people who were sticking up for Allen, I bet you, like, they all have their vaccine. They have all been vaccinated probably. It, there's, so it, there, yeah, ahead, Joe, there, there's, there's people in certain positions and I understand to an extent, they just, they don't want to alienate anybody. Like for an example, Del Reed, a very good friend of mine, a good friend of yours too. He runs a brand and there's no benefit for Dell to come on and say, like you and I, I don't give a shit. I'm going to say what's on my mind. I obviously you do as well. Cause I really don't care. And I don't have that type of uh brand. Like why would Dell want to piss off people? given an opinion that he really, you know, that people don't really care what he says. So I think Josh Allen's mistake was he didn't want to piss anyone off. My take is this, when it comes to vaccinations, I'm obviously pro vaccination. I've already got in mine. My wife's gotten hers and my son is halfway through his. I feel this way. If you don't, if you're anti-vaccination and I don't agree at all, I don't like it, but if that's what you want to do, if you're one of those people, then fine. But I will say this. And again, if you're one of those, my body, my choice, People, okay, but guess what? When you don't get to go to a game, it's not your God-given, here's my point. It's not your God-given right to be able to attend a Bills game. It's not your God-given right to go to the Toby Keith concert at Darien Lake Lake this summer or to, to have entrance into uh, a college campus. Those are not your birthrights. Those aren't, that's not unconstitutional to deny entry. These are private-owned or company-owned businesses that could do what they want. So if somebody says, and this is what pisses me off, if the bill say, and Mark Polenkars did say this, and we'll see how it plays out about a vaccination being mandatory to go to a Bills game. But let's just not even talk about the Bills. Let's just say, uh, let's go back to the concert thing. Somebody runs a uh, in North Tonawana, they have a concert hall, and you want to go see a band. Their rule is, well, you have to be vaccinated. It's not against the law. Either get your vaccination or you ain't going, man. And if you want to have your my body, my choice, and... You refuse the vaccination, okay, but then your ass ain't going to the concert. It's as simple as that. That's why I get annoyed with people who won't take the vaccination but also don't understand that there's a difference between rights and and privileges. And going to a game is a privilege. Going to a concert is a privilege. They have a right 
to tell you what they want to tell you. That's my biggest beef, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything has been tried to be made political when it's made political about this vaccine or the you know, and Josh Allen coming out with a constitutional thing. I'm just like, dude, shut up. Like, I, I can't. I can't stand that. And that, that's like a Fox News talking point. That's just, I'm sorry. Like there is, this should not be political, politicalized at all. I mean, it's a vaccine that's for free. Like it's free people. It's free. And aside from right. having like a, a, a bum shoulder arm for like a day and maybe you're cold for a day, like give me a break, like just get it. And like those, you're right. Those people, they own it's They own it's a private business. They own it. The County owns it. And like, you know, people like like that are trying to like make it all about the amendments and like the Rachel Bushes and the freaking Stefan Mahailu and those jack offs like they all just they're just dumb and they just don't want to hear people talk. They, they just don't want to be told what to do. But it's like, dude, it's like it's not the it's it's the right thing to do. And again, like, I, you know, I, I hope that they should. I mean, it's still close. It's too too early because like I don't know what the hell's going to happen with covid. Like there's all these variants that are coming out, which is not good, obviously. So who this? I don't know. I guess the vaccine doesn't cover the variants, obviously. So who knows what's going to happen? But my God, like get the freaking vaccine, people! Like just get it and like get it done with. And if and you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm perturbed that the league doesn't mandate it. But again, they I hope I hope these teams are like, hey, you don't want to mandate it, fine. But I hope. You know, they're having video presentations. They're educating the shit out of these players with why you should get it done. You know, and I don't care if they got to freaking hire a private hospital and come down the one bills drive with the shot. And it's like it's shot day. We're all getting shots. And maybe they will do it, you know, eventually. And again, I think with Allen, he he tried too hard. Like he thought it was controversial. It wasn't if he said like, if he, again, if he said he got it, no one would have given a shit. You know, it would have been like it would have been a bunch of stupid bots having that we all would have we all would have like blown up the frequency of the bots and been like, oh, look at this asshole. And the guy would have had like three followers and had like, you know, like Kendra Lust like porn page, probably. So I don't I don't think any Josh Allen fan had he come on and said, I've gotten the vaccination. I don't think there would have been any Josh Allen fan who says, well, I'm now a former Josh Allen. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what Nothing would have changed. I don't know. I mean, we'll find out in time about the vaccine. One thing I do know, and I hear a couple of these theories, I think people are joking, but maybe they're not, that we're getting microchips stuck in our arms <laughs> instead of a vaccination because the government wants to control where we are. I'm like, listen, that's enough. But anyway, we, we could talk about that forever. We kind of both. Yes. I just don't, like we, I made said, a, we made yeah, our points very well. We made our points. Like, yeah. Like I said, I really hope the leagues, uh, you know, like they shouldn't mandate it. I'm sorry. It just doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you do you want to jeopardize not just your health? Like, that's important. But you want to jeopardize your season? The Bills lost a tight end for the whole year because he got COVID. Like, it's not it is, like I'm sorry. It's a galaxy brain shit right now for them not to do it. Like, and I, I feel they will. I feel like as much as like McDermott, like McDermott wants to win. I don't care how like what his views are conservative or. He could be Mr. I love the Constitution all he wants, but he wants to win games. And this helps them in the long run avoid having to have Mitch Trubisky as your starter or Matt Barkley or whatever. Matt Barkley's gone, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think Boston University is, they've already come out and said that it's going to be mandatory for their students to return to campus to be vaccinated. And somebody from the school that my son is going to be playing football for has told him, on an unofficial level at this time, dude, get your vaccination. 
you're going to need it. Not officially, but anyway, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Let's, before we get out of here, let's spend a few minutes actually talking about the Bills. Because again, it's been a, almost two months since I had you on. A lot has, well, a lot has happened and a lot hasn't happened in a way. The Bills, for the most part, focused on re-signing their own key guys. They've signed 12 free agents, but 11 of them are one-year deals. The only significant free agent signing, I think anyway, is Emmanuel Sanders is in, John Brown's out. And I do think that Mitch Trubisky is a significant upgrade over Matt Barkley, and hopefully we don't ever need to find that out for facts. But anyway, you take the, we won't break down each move, obviously, but if you take the totality of this Bills offseason, what do you think they are? Because on one hand, you could say, all right, this is a 13-3 and team that wanted to keep their core. The other side, if you're playing devil's advocate, might be like, well, guess what, man? They're not better than the Chiefs. And what did they do right now as of now to, to, to close that gap between them and Kansas City? Like, where do you land? What's your thoughts? Well, I, I was pretty shocked they re-signed, like, almost everyone. Like, I, I thought going into free agency, Daryl Williams and Matt Milano were gone. Like, I was like, there's no way those guys are staying there. It's, it's too late. And boom, they, they, they re-signed them. So kudos to them. Uh, I like Daryl Williams. I've, I kind of think like you need to have an offensive line, like keep your tackles. You know, you, it's all about Josh Allen, like get him protected. He was really good last year. The Matt Milano one, I was, I, I have, I have mixed feelings about Matt Milano's contract. Uh, and I'm probably in the minority there a little bit. Cause I think everyone loves him a lot. And I think he's a good player, but he doesn't play that. He, he played 31% of the snaps last year. He's had issues staying healthy at times, you know, during his career. And I, I kind of felt like you could have took that $10 million or whatever and like went into free agency and got like an edge rusher. And I think that would have been a bigger impact on your defense because you really, when you left the season last year, I think if you looked at the defense, their issue is they, I, they didn't, they weren't, they weren't getting it done up front. I feel like that's just in totality. I know there's some analytics that will probably say they were, they were 10th in pass rush proficiency, all that shit. I'm sorry. They, they didn't get sacks. Okay. And I'm a big sack guy. I don't care what the dorks say. Sacks matter. If you get a, if you get a sack, more than likely you're going to have to punt on that drive. I don't care what anyone says. That's the facts. But um, I, I had kind of mixed feelings a little bit about it. Like, I'm not going to kill them. Like I got it. And like, Hey, he's a really good player. You know, people seem to love him. Sure. But like, I, I would have thought they would have put that money into something else, but it's fine. Hey, get it. It's fine. Um, the, the 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 John Brown thing I definitely saw coming a mile away. I felt with Gabriel Davis, he was so he was such a key role key player last year for them. And the offense, you know, the offense struggled at the first part of the year after John Brown got hurt. But then when he got hurt again, they they were fine. Like Gabriel Davis was clicking. They're pretty deep there. Uh, I get it. He became expendable because of to me because of Gabriel Davis. And I think. You know he, he he's he's gotten hurt. That's kind of been the knock on John Brown, like his knee is have has had issues in the past. A lot of people um, think Sanders is an upgrade over John Brown too. Sanders, here's my thing: Sanders is an upgrade over John Brown by comparison to last year, but I don't think he's an upgrade in, to to John Brown from 2019 standards. Right. 2019, John Brown was like he was lights out, like you know, and I don't think he's that guy. But again, he only has to be like. The third, like it's obviously Cole Beasley is like their second, like most important wide receiver, and they're going to play three, four wide receivers, you know. But uh, you know, Sanders is a good player. Gabriel Davis is a really good player. They're very deep at wide receiver right now. Um, I think in totality, you know, Mitch Trubisky, hey, he's an upgrade over he's an upgrade over Matt Barkley. I was not a Matt Barkley fan 
I, I think they could have upgraded. Uh, you know, I, I was never, I was not a big fan of his play, even though he did play pretty well in that Miami game, but he was uh, useful. He was useful off the field. I think he helped yeah, Josh they, mature yeah. and develop, but you know what? That don't really help you if Josh Allen blows his knee out. So. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think Mitch is, you know, he can, he can win in this league. And you know, if you, if you lose Josh for a month, Mitch can be a guy that could get you maybe two, three wins in that month, maybe because, sure. you know, hopefully he does. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too earth shattering. Like they, like I think it all and you you you've tweeted this before, and I, I kind of agree with you. Like, you know, the Bills will be better if their younger guys, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Cody Ford, their young guys who are high picks take that next step. Because those guys, for me, I don't underachieving sounds very harsh. I would say they've been Okay, that's yeah. it. And they need to be good to great. And if one of one or two of those guys can do that, then boom, they're they're better. And and look, I don't like the teams that got better in the AFC for the most part in my opinion, they were teams who were dog shit bad. You know what I mean? Like the like the Jets and the and the Patriots got better, but they were they weren't very good at all. So, you know, it was it was a little bit like comparing like 2018 to 2019 where of course like, oh, yeah, the Bills got really better because they were so bad in 2018 with Peterman, Derek Anderson, all that that nonsense. But, um, yeah, you know, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I'm, I'm kidding. Like, they, they re-signed everyone. I agree with it for the most part. I mean, I do have the mixed feelings on Matt Milano. Feel free to tell me I'm wrong on that. Uh, but, you know, that's that's kind of how I feel, like, for the most part. I, I Well, yeah, and I have said it. If you're going – if your philosophy is going to be – which I agree with the philosophy, so we're clear – your philosophy is going to be keep your own guys, reward them with the big contracts, continue to build through the draft. That's fine. But if you're going to take steps, then yeah, your younger guys have to improve. Guys like Ed Oliver and Cody Ford, just off the top of my head, and a few other that you mentioned, yeah, they need to improve. Because if you want to play devil's advocate, I'm going to read you this quick little passage that I saw in The Athletic a couple weeks ago. And it wasn't a Bills writer who wrote it, but I agree with it. And it's kind of saying that, well, what are the Bills really doing to become the best team in the AFC? This is what it says. It says, the Bills have generally followed established team-building protocol by re-signing their own best players while targeting, while targeting specific needs in free agency and via trades. Yet, some in the league wonder whether the Bills have been aggressive enough in adding outside talent this offseason to close whatever gap remains with Kansas City and the AFC. Tampa wins the Super Bowl and runs it back, an executive said. Buffalo loses pretty convincingly to Kansas City twice, and they are trying to get the band back together. Does that make sense, or do you need to fix the issues? Don't you think that's a fair statement, a fair question? Yeah, I definitely do. That's why I was thinking of like the Matt Milano, like uh, like maybe you should have took that money and got another edge rusher, like a, a free agency or something like that. Or God forbid we traded for a tight end that's not – you know, that's not terrible. You know, sorry, Dawson Knox fans. I think you're all on drugs or something, but I digress. Uh, but like, yeah, it's, it's a fair, it's a fair thing to say. You know, I mean, they, they lost convincing. Look, the Chiefs kicked their asses both games. They weren't they even, they did. And like, look, the, the Chiefs, the way we can look at it this way, if you want to be like, hey, well, maybe this is an opening. The Chiefs lost both their tackles. I know they added another tackle. You know, so maybe they're like they're they've they've gone down a peg a little bit, maybe. While well, the Bills have kind of said the same, but like it's it's a 
it's it's all about maturity. It's tough, man, because again, I've, I've said this to you uh, the last time I was on the podcast. How much better can Josh Allen be than he was last year? Like 50 touchdowns, 4,300 yards, whatever he has. If he, I don't know how he can pull another season like that off. Like normally, you you can't. Like it, the optics say you can't. Like to do something like that. Like so, you know, they didn't really address that. So again, it's up to the young guys, like you said. And I, I'll say this too. Like one thing, you know, I don't know if you're going to get to this, but like I feel like I'm Bill's Twitter right now because I hate I hate draft Twitter. I've made that abundantly clear. I have I don't I actually don't talk about it as much as I used to. I kind of. I'll say it to the knowledge. Kind of, I think people get so wrapped up into it and then they they start getting bored of the same takes they're making and then they they, they formulate new takes. Right. And I feel like I feel like the new take right now is like the Bills roster is impeccable. Like it's 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 so top to bottom great and no one can get pushed as a starter besides like cornerback and running back. And I don't agree with that. Like I think AJ Klein could get pushed very easily. I think Dawson Knox can get pushed. I know the draft is not very deep a tight end, but who the hell knows? There could be – we don't know because we don't know what the Bills draft board is. They could have a tight end somewhere that they like in the second round. Who knows? But I don't – Guard, I don't, offensive guards. Guard, yeah. Like John Feliciano. Like I, correct me if I'm wrong. Who, is the, who are the starting guards as of right now? It's Cody Ford on one side, and then it's Feliciano and, and Budger, whatever the hell that guy's name is, on the other side, right? Is that kind of how I, I – I yeah. feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. So you, are you telling me John Feliciano and Butker can't get pushed? Like those guys were those guys were backups really coming into last year, and then like Feliciano somehow like got he got a lot of a Twitter steam by Bill's Twitter, which I didn't really understand. Like I don't know because he's quotable or he the the, the mentality is a nasty like Italian guy, and I'm like okay whatever. I think he sucks, but like that guy could get pushed. Mario Addison, I think, could definitely get pushed. I think that defensive line that has a really they they're all about that rotation, and I think if you if you drafted a defensive end, you know at at, at thirty on the edge, I think that guy is definitely going to get a big chunk of like those that of playing time. So I, I think that's kind of what I've noticed a little bit like in the last like like oh this roster is like it's just cute like you know I, I'm just like no I mean the roster's great like don't get me wrong like the core players are really good but let's. Let's not add like everyone's like an all pro at the position. Like AJ, like, come on, AJ Klein was a fucking. We was AJ Klein was a guy we all hated for the first twelve weeks, and then he like he started playing better, obviously. But like, come on, and I know they don't play that that linebacker spot that often, but like he's still on the field. Like you know, if, if a rookie goes in there at sec, first or second round, that guy's taking his spot probably. Yeah, I would say Brandon Bean. One of the best things he's done with this organization is. He's, he's built a roster, to your point, where they have players where if that's the worst you can do, it's not that bad. Like Levi Wallace, if they could get a corner in this draft who's better than him, awesome. But it, you could do worse than Levi Wallace. I agree about John Feliciano. In fact, I would even go as far to say that if the Bills draft a guard in the first round, I think he comes in and he probably starts over him. But anyway, if you're stuck with John Feliciano, that's not the end of the world. I think they could do better than Dawson Knox. However, if, they, if that happens, I still say it comes via a Zach Ertz trade because this just is not a very sure. and deep tight end class right now. But my point was they're, they got guys that are they have good floors, but they don't have huge ceilings. And when it comes to this draft, without getting into like specific players, because, I mean, you'll be the first to admit you don't really study the players, but you know the positions and what they could use help at. 
Brandon Bean did say last week that, and, and with the draft just being a couple days away now, that this draft's more about long-term than just short-term. I keep going back, and you were right, by the way. When you had the same takes for so long, they kind of take it, and you start thinking about other things. And I've done that myself. But I'm, I've landed back on, it has to be. Well, it doesn't have to be. They're going to get a defensive end early in this draft. They might even get two defensive ends early in this draft. If for no other reason than besides pushing Addison for snaps right now. Dude, Hughes is in the last year of his contract. Mario Addison's not going to be here after this year. What are you left with? A.J. Epinesa and Daryl Johnson in 2022 as of right now. Defensive end makes sense right now, and it makes sense for the future, you know? Yeah, I mean, defensive, I, I'm, I'm, it's between that and cornerback. Because yeah. cornerback to me. And guard. I, and guard, me. but but definitely cornerback. Because I think cornerback, every year, and you, I tweeted this out, and then you stole it from me because you tweeted it out like a week later. I'm just kidding. I know you probably didn't steal, but I had it first. But usually they they usually will get that veteran cornerback like that's supposed to be the number two guy like Vontae Davis, EJ Gaines, Kevin Johnson, and then Josh Norman. They have not done that this year. And I feel like they're due at cornerback. They haven't they haven't drafted a corner, I, I think, in the first three rounds since Trey White. And like, you know, I, I think at t- sometimes when you watch the draft and you try to figure out like where they're going to go, you have to look at the past. And go, have they addressed this at, at youth? And I feel they haven't in a while. And I think cornerback is where they're going to go. But, yes, edge rusher, definitely. I, I Look, Sean McDermott, he's a defensive guy. The defense, to me, underachieved last year. And I think he wants to kind of rewrite that a little bit. And, you know, yeah, he could definitely go for, you know, a pass rusher there. I think, though, and look, I if, you, if you're the type of fan who wants, look, you could obviously have, a guy who's going to make you win right away faster, and and then you can have a guy that's good long term. But if you are like I, w- I want someone that's going to start from day one and be be an impact guy. I think it's cornerback or running back right now yeah. for this roster. You know, yeah. edge defensive lineman. Here's the thing about defensive lineman, Pat. And I, I look, I my draft analysis is mostly historical for the most part. But to me, defensive lineman drafted in the first or second round. It takes a while for them to get it. It really does. Just look at the Bills, Jerry Hughes, Marcel Darius, Kyle Williams even. You know, like the, there are a lot of guys who I think takes a little bit longer to get it. You know, Ed Oliver's still trying to get it. Like and he's going into his third year to get it. Whereas a running back, you can have a, you can have a, a good running back right away who's like an impact guy. We saw it with Marshawn Lynch. We saw it with Willis McGahee when, you know, even though he didn't play that his first year. We've seen that before. We've seen cornerbacks like Trey White play out of his play really well as a rookie, and he was picked where he was. That those positions, those two positions right there. If you're all about hey, what what can what can be an impact guy right away that can help them? I think it's those two positions. I think they're positions that you can adjust to a lot quicker in the NFL than a defensive lineman. Because I think defensive lineman pad for the most part, historically speaking, I feel like they come earlier in the draft. They come at like thirtieth. I could be wrong. And look, obviously, there's probably an outlier or two. But I think the, I think those defensive linemen they come early. They 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 get they, they get do. out earlier. You know, I agree. Where- I agree with that because I'll tell you right now, defensive end is the most sensible position to take. I don't think it takes an expert to figure that out. They could use the help now, and they're going to need the help in the future. But to your point, they're drafting thirtieth, and there's three guys that are probably, they ain't going to be there at 30. 
If the Bills really want a defensive end in the first round, and I don't know that they do, but if they do, they might have to move up to get him. In yeah. terms of right now, right now, I agree with you 100%. Right now, if you're drafting a guy and your primary focus is he's going to help us be a better team right now this year, then sure, Travis Etienne, a running back, would make the offense, I think, significantly better. Cornerback could start over Levi Wallace right now. And plus, with defensive end, I mean, you kind of hit on it to some extent. Plus, Sean McDermott loves rotating the defensive line. So it's not even like they're going to be playing 70, 75% of the snaps in this defense. I do think that his priority is for this defense to be better. I think that they think if they're going to be better than the Chiefs, they got to get a better pass rush and they got to be able to cover the receivers better. So that's defensive end and and that. Can I ask you, uh, because again, I I don't have it. I I stopped caring about the, the prep to the draft for a while. Are are the experts saying there's a lot of defensive ends, edge rushers where they are that could be taken? Because I feel like every year it's like, oh yeah, they could be, they could find these guys every year. Oh yeah, there's there's always these guys here. Like someone will pump them up just to get people talking. There's so, Quiddy, Quiddy Pay, uh, Jalen Phillips. Those are two guys that would be surprises if they're there at thirty. Um, Jason Owa is a very talented. I think Joe Biscaglia thinks the Bills are going to take him. He's a Penn State guy. He wouldn't come in right away. He's one of those developmental guys, but he's just like an athletic freak, and he thinks that, you know, a year of coaching, he can become a great player. And then there's a, a Joe Tyron, a defensive end. I would say there's two guys who I would be sh- stunned if they were there at 30, and then there's two to three guys that maybe, I mean, who knows what other teams are thinking right now. It won't be easy for a good defensive end in the fall to 30. I think it would be much easier there's a much better chance that a good corner could fall to 30 than a defensive yeah. end. And, and, and one thing too, with the, the that I feel could work against the defensive line discussion. I, I, again, I'm going historical. Are you, how many teams with their first pick would, would pick a defensive lineman three straight years in a row with their first pick? Cause you yeah. got Al Oliver, AJ Espinenza, and then like insert new defensive lineman. Like it's three straight years. That's, that seems like a lot, but I, but I, I could be wrong in that regard. Obviously, there probably are is an outlier or two of like, oh yeah, this team picked three in a row. That doesn't happen all that that often. Um, one thing too, I, I feel I had this point I wanted to make um, is is that I I I, do, I, I think the big they, they 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 should kind of like the defense for me. It's fine. And like overall, look, I don't. I'm not going to have an issue wherever they go. In the draft, if they want to go cornerback, they want to go running back, they want to go linebacker, guard, you know, they're, they're, pick the best player available. Fine, I'm not going to complain. I do wonder though, and I wish this is why I hate the draft pro- process, the lead up. Like it's always you always hear pundits already always say like, oh, they, they're going to stick to the draft board, like they're not going to reach. When has like a GM ever come out and go, yeah, you know what, man, we picked this guy because we reached for him. Like a GM never says that. They always say like, "Oh, it's the, we went by the draft board." Like they never say that. And I'm always curious. Like if you're cornerback, let's just say like you and I, I think we're in agreement. Like the biggest needs is like cornerback and defensive ends. We'll just say if a cornerback is rated like is rated 33rd, and then a wide receiver is rated 30th, are you going to just say, "Well, the hell with the cornerback. We're going wide receiver because our board." says that or right. getting a cornerback at 30 like who's ranked 33rd do you really consider that a reach because i consider a reach like if you go if you go like 20 spots outside of your board you know what i mean but you know and again i i don't know if there's ever been someone historically that has said on a draft board like oh 
Like everyone talks about the EJ Manuel pick a little bit, like how that was a reach. Like I don't know what the Bills board looked like, but I doubt that that EJ Manuel was ranked 70th on their board. And then they said, oh, well, he's the best quarterback. Let's go get him at 70th on our board and bring him to the 15th slot. I'm assuming they've really liked him and their draft board is different than our draft board or the experts draft board. I don't know. I'm always curious how that works. Like, what do they feel? It's it's, it's sometimes it's, it's very fake a little bit of all that. Yeah. I know it's a lot. Well, to going back to defensive end, if that's what they target. And by the way, we spend all this time, whether it's you and I or whoever I have on the show, we always talk about the 30th pick, like the second and third pick. Guess what? Those matter too. You know, you could get good players in those rounds, but with the 30th pick, the problem with the Bills in regards to defensive end is the teams picking right in front of them, which is Green Bay, the Saints, and Baltimore. All three of those teams are legitimate threats to take a defensive end, as is Jacksonville at 25 or even Pittsburgh at 24. Who knows? But I, I will say this, and I know this is a blanket answer and very boring, but I, I truly believe it's true. Quarterback, offensive tackle, and safety, and linebacker. Those four positions, the Bills ain't using a first-round pick on any of those guys. Not the first-round pick. Anything else, it's up for grabs. It could happen, including wide receiver. I know that won't help much this year, but again, you're going to have guys who ain't going to be around. Plus, fourth, fifth receivers play a lot in today's NFL. So we'll see. I'm not saying I expect that to happen. I'm just saying yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be stunned. I know one guy, and I know you don't, you don't know a lot about him, but Kadarius Toney, is like Isaiah McKenzie if Isaiah McKenzie was way better. I would I would honestly be stunned if they went wide receiver. I had this discussion on Twitter the other night. I, like I had this back and forth with Sal Capaccio about it. I would be stunned because I just I just can't see you R- wide receiver is a position that you can play right away. Like the days of like Eric Molds having to wait three years to like do anything. Those are done. You could be a rookie impact wide receiver right away. And I think because of the rookie wage scale, like you, you, you want that. If you get a wide receiver in the first round, when does he play? Or like, because you, you're, you would need like one or two injuries for the guy to get on the field. I don't care. Look, the Bills played four wide receivers sets last year, like twenty three percent of the time, or something like that. Even you, you, that's not a lot. Like in the grand scheme of things, it's a lot for that, but it's not a lot in like the grand scheme. Like you want that rookie to play at least like fifty percent of the snaps at that position because you know you want to see how he he goes but more importantly it's the economics of the situation where like you 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 want that guy he's cheap talent until you have to kick in the fifth year option possibly or extend him i don't know how a wide receiver would fit here now i think you know because what are they going to do they 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 have their four wide receivers right now are very good you know and like i you know i guess he could kick gabriel davis down the, the down the five but I don't know. It, it would shock me if they did that, and I I would say that I, I I would say you should do it next year because again to my point, if you get a wide receiver in the first round next year, they can play right away. And I think again that's a position that I feel as a rookie or a second rounder you could be an impact guy. I mean Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, you know those guys were impact players. DK Metcalf, impact guys like right away. You know, like you don't want that. You don't want that wide receiver, Odell Beckham, even Mike Evans, like etc. You don't want that guy to just sit on, like, like hey, he's going to be the fourth guy, and he'll we'll bring him in on special teams in like five, ten snaps a game, like in the first round, third, fourth round, sure, like totally cool with that, makes sense. I don't see it this year with that, but you know, that's 
that's where you get into the argument about like, well, if he's the best player available, then they should pick him. And then I'm like, well, if if the if the cornerback is like a smidge less than him, you know, what are you gonna do there? Anyway, that's, yeah. that's my point. No, uh, I I agree. I think it's very unlikely. I just I wouldn't completely write it off. That's all sure. I'm saying. There's a couple of positions that I I I could confidently write off. But I don't think that's one of them. But I do I'd write agree. that. I'd write that off. I would write it off. I think linebacker. They could. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they may want to. You know, I don't know. AJ Klein doesn't play enough snaps to to justify a, a first round. I pick. guess. Yeah, I yeah, guess you're he right. He played yeah. 25, 30 percent when Milano's healthy. Anyway, all right. So we're gonna get out of here. But I do want to tease a uh, hope. Maybe it'll be the next time you're on, which hopefully is pretty soon. But we're gonna do, and Joe's gonna anchor this a worst of Buffalo episode and we're gonna kind of count down and, and highlight some of the worst people from buffalo joe brought this up on twitter i actually and i i've admitted this to you and to anybody i i like to play the i don't like to be overly contrary i don't like to play favorites let me rephrase that i don't like to play favorites like when it comes to like the best of sports media people you know so i've admitted that right I, i'm kind of I, I I just don't like. You're it. a shill. Like you don't want to piss them I off, am. so they I'm don't come on your show. To an extent, to an extent, I, I just that's just how I am. I don't like to pick one over the other. I want to make however, fun of all of them. However, on, on the bad. other hand, though, on the other hand, when it comes to the worst of Buffalo, if I don't like you, I ain't got no problem letting you know that I don't like you. Know, I'm not saying I'm going to agree with every pick that you make. I may disagree, but if I do agree, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound off too. But anyway, it's going to be a worst of Buffalo, and Joe tweeted out candidates you mentioned some of them already rachel bush russ brandon tim mcveigh tom golisano larry quinn tom bowerly the y guy the hat guy from channel two i don't know who that is the Step hat up. guy the hat guy is that mckinley guy he like mr magoo uh, okay. he always I, has dirt he always has weirdly like pissed off he blocked me once on twitter because i liked a, I liked a comment that was like making fun of him so all right. him all right He's well terrible. anyway some of the other guys that you mentioned on Twitter, Stefan Mahalu. Spoiler oh. alert. He's going to be on the fucking list. That's a spoiler alert. Uh, the Bagulas and, and Tom Letterman, or Letterman, I should say, Chris Collins, Palladino. You wrote those asshole cops. You voiced that 75 year old guy. So, anyway, the list is going to be extensive. Maybe, I don't know if we'll break them down by power rankings. Maybe we'll put them in the tiers or whatever, but that'll be a fun episode. I'm going to do that with Joe pretty soon. Give Joe a follow on Twitter. The newly engaged, what is it, Joe from Queens? I, I don't, you know, why do I not get to say your last name when it's in the fucking newspaper at this because point? Because I don't, I, you know, I, I, I keep changing, you know, you could fix it in post, like, because I, I don't, I don't listen to this podcast, even because I know I'm, <laughs> I know I'm awesome. So if you want to say in the beginning, like it's, 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 it's uh, Joe Smith. That's my last name. No, Smith, I yeah. like saying I've said Joe from Queens. No, I, I'm comfortable with that. But anyway, you have follow. Bruce Almighty on here. He, he's a fucking fictional character. That we don't even know if he <laughs> exists. He could be Russ Branded. And you can't you. You could have Joe from Queens if you could have Bruce Almighty fucker on here. Oh, I swore again. Sorry. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you one more time. A returning Joe from Queens. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Buffalo Winds. Joe is never at a loss for words and for hot takes. Today was no exception. I always enjoy having Joe on the show, whether I agree with him or whether I don't. And more times I don't, but it makes for fun conversation. So anyway, thank you, Joe. 
Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It truly helps me continue to grow this show. Of course, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever future award-winning podcasts are found. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Pamarin Tweets. I'm constantly on Twitter posting podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, some polls, sports talk, pop culture talk, all kinds of stuff going on over at Twitter at Pamarin Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I make sure that I end the podcast the exact same way every time, and that's by thanking you, the listener, for locking into the show. It means a lot to me, and whether you're locked in for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it may be, in a market right now that is just so saturated with podcasts, when you're locked into this one, I can't express you in words how much it means to me. I mean it. So thank you very, very much. Have a good day. I don't even want to say have a good week because I will be back right away tomorrow with Matt Perino. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.